0: What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Station. What's the key to BYU football getting better in the fastest way possible? Is it the transfer portal or new incoming coaching hires?
1: Speaking of, on the next episode, how much do we want BYU football to use the portal moving forward?
0: Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Station podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN here on
1: BYU Radio, baby.
0: Next on BYUSN, the fastest path to improvement for BYU football. What will make the Cougars better and quicker? The transfer portal or new coaching hires? Plus, BYU men's basketball continues their climb up the poles. How has the 7-0 start altered your expectations for what the Cougars are capable of this season?
1: It's a doubleheader of hoops. Today we'll chat with men's assistant Cody Fieger about the fast start and how it lasts, plus... The top five starts in men's hoops history. Anything better than Jimmer's senior year?
0: Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, December 5th. I am Spencer Linton, and he is the greatest co-host in the history of this prestigious program, Jerem
1: Jordan. What's Bill Walton going to do when the Pac-12 goes away? Um, Bill Walton is the analyst on the BYU-Utah game on the Pac-12 network. Uh... I have not had the kind of engagement on a tweet uh, I posted last night when I put that info out there in a long time. Some of you are not fans of Bill. I'm a huge fan of Bill on the broadcast. I love it. Uh, the only disappointing thing about being at the game Saturday will be that I can't hear Bill Walton, <laughs> but he's one of the most prepared guys. I learned a million facts about the region and oh, yeah. the history and the yeah. whatever. To each their own, right? Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited Bill's on the call Saturday.
0: Now that's Kreshimir Ciosic basketball.
1: Okay, learned prior to the uh, show <laughs> that Bill Walton actually played in Zadar, Croatia, against... Kreshimir. Kreshimir. No kidding. Yeah. I don't know the story there. I'm hoping uh, Tyson Jacks, the BYU men's basketball sports information director, can get more info on Saturday and then tell us. But uh, that's pretty cool. mm well, yeah, played there in the offseason, too. Please. All
0: rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. The transfer portal is open. We need more depth
2: in the front seven. These things that I'm telling you are, are absolutely clear. What the coaches need to do and what the players need to do in order to get better.
0: We all live in a society of gimme, 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 now, now, now. I don't want to wait. We're an impatient culture, and especially as sports fans, that includes BYU fans for sure. No. <laughs> it's part of the deal. So the question now is, after a 5-7 and seven football season and BYU missing just their second bowl game in the Kalani Satake era in what? eight years, what's going to make BYU football better the fastest? Is it the magical solution in the transfer portal? An early Christmas gift that restores championship dreams, or Champions. is it going to be the build, the build with new coaching hires for a team like BYU?
1: It is both, but let's discuss. Uh, to me, it's the portal. Uh, there, really, there there are more players and people that can have a faster impact. I think. Uh, it's both. There's not a strong argument for one or the other. But I, let's make the argument for starters or, or for uh, players just because. Okay, I looked at the roster last year and who had come in and who made an impact. To me, there were 14 players that stuck out among the, what, 31 transfers. Here they are, Eddie Heckard and A.J. Vankpachon, Keaton Slovis, Aiden Robbins, Darius Lassiter. I'll keep going. Camden Garrett, Jake Retzloff, Keelan Marion, Paul Miley, Waylon Lapuahu. Caleb Etienne, Harrison Taggart, Will Farrell, Jackson Craven, stick out. I almost had Isaiah Banya on this. He had one tackle for loss. I need more from Isaiah Banya. Sure, put him on the list. Whatever, 15. Um, did he announce he's coming back, by the way? I haven't heard. It sounded like he was last night, but we'll see. They, there are, and, and there's a handful of those guys that are gone. Heckard, Von Pachas, Slovis, Robbins, potentially Lassiter might get another year. We'll see. We think Garrett, so. Miley are, uh look like they're done. You need a lot of guys. Um, do you need the same amount that you got last year? Hopefully not, because like Retzloff, Marion, Lapoho, UTN, Taggart, Farron, Cravens, they're still here. Um, they're still – or is Jackson done? He was great. He might be done. But you need a lot of guys. Um, I don't think that BYU needs the same amount that they got last year. But really it's about, like, get quality talent at every position, uh, minus – well, every position, and – Create good depth, create good competition, and then uh, see who plays and what kind of impact they can have. I'm not opposed to – I also want the returning players to have an impact as well. Like Bodie Schoonover or whatever, like he's been waiting a minute. Maybe he's one of the guys, you know, and Isaiah Glasker and the Kafusis and whatnot, a linebacker. But to me, if you can bring in a lot of good talent, that, that meshes and makes sense and they're coached well, that's the ultimate combination, right? It's not really one or the other in this discussion. Certainly coaching the same players can change things like men's basketball has with that continuity, but but you need to have talented players in place to do so. Like if the coaches don't have enough talent, they can only coach up them up so much. So I say bring them in, baby. Uh, and you see the numbers And in terms of once the portal – like, the rule of the, the transfers, one-time transfer, no penalty happened. Obviously, you see the numbers, and what BYU brought in last year was significantly more, almost four times you know, what they had. A lot went out. In fact, I think the number was 31 in. I don't think it was 21, um, but uh, if you're counting Juco and everything. So, to me, if I have to pick one, I'm probably doing number of players. It's kind of a symbiotic
0: relationship sure. because I look at the coaches that were brought in just last year. The reason that Eddie Heckard and Cam Garrett are at BYU is because BYU hired Jay Hill. Well, then now what? So, how, yeah, how can BYU, whoever they hire as the offensive line coach, whether it's Jeff Grimes or not, and whoever they hire as the tight ends coach, will those guys then naturally bring in some dudes that are going to be impact players like sure. that?
1: Side effect, though, not primary objective. Side effect.
0: How much better... And, and this is not me digging for you to say, oh, to try to prove my point or anything. I'm just legitimately asking, how much better do you feel like BYU's defense was? Straight up. From one year to the next. I don't know. Uh, Did you, uh, like, like, do you feel like they took a significant step forward? Mucho. A little step forward? Mucho mas. Okay, mucho mas. I, okay. You're, you're like me. I feel like BYU's defense, while the statistics in some games, yeah, were not great. Overall... Did we not all collectively as a fan base feel like, okay, this defense took a, they took a step forward?
1: This just in, BYU played the 10th toughest schedule in America. And
0: so. they played a top 10 schedule has to be in difficulty. To
1: it. Yeah. Last, last year, last, if last year's defense played this year, BYU wins like the two games at the beginning of the season and maybe one more. I'm dead serious.
0: Jay Hill had a significant impact. Yes, he brought impact players with him by nature of the beast, but if you get the right coach in the right position, it does not take long. I I I wondered when when we brought him in like, ah, is is it going to be
1: enough, you know, him being Jay Hill?
0: Yeah. Like when when BYU brought Jay Hill in, like are we being unfair to him if if we expect like this major change? And so I was a little bit slow last year to say or to, to fully embrace, like, oh, it's going to be way better. Like, I thought it would be better, but I was ready to just take, like, a little step. BYU took a big step. Coaching matters. Coaching really matters. No and if BYU hires the right offensive line coach, because the offensive line was so underperforming last year, it could make a significant difference. Um, so I lean towards coaching just because maybe the recency bias of having witness of what, Jay Hill did and what he did on the defensive side of things like it was a massive step forward but he's a coordinator so how much is that different than a position coach like the offensive line I don't know like it's well it, Jay
1: coached the safety's up and they were playing third and fourth stringers sometimes
0: and they were for the most part I, holding their own Ethan Slade I, was like a dude are you kidding he wasn't even on he was he was even, the fourth string safety when the season began
1: uh second or third string at one position. But yeah, like Tanner was,
0: Wall then, sorry, was the fourth string.
1: Yeah, Tanner Wall was playing a bunch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And playing well? Depends yeah. if you're
1: talking strong or free or whatever. But like yeah. Like, absolutely. No one's arguing that coaches cannot make a huge influence. Like, if Jeff Grimes is the offensive line coach last year, do we feel like the O line is awesome? Hundred percent. we feel like they're good?
0: <sighs> we feel like they're well, better.
1: Well, that's an indictment, right? Um yeah, coaching totally can have a massive influence. Um, I do think, though, that given losses, you need to replace guys and bring in even more guys to compete. This is the way, I believe, it is always going to be now with the current rules of Transfer Portal and NIL. I, don't th- I think the era previous is absolutely gone. You're not uh, stashing RMs that in five years from when you sign them will start to have an impact in their junior year. Like, there will be those guys still, but they will be fewer and farther between than they have been in the past. Now, uh, you need guys that come in. You need more A.J. Pachons than you need stashed RMs. Sure. You need more impact guys. I don't want it to be year-to-year, four-month rentals, although you have to have a handful of those for sure.
0: Was BYU in a position where they needed to add more because of the Power 5 jump? Like, yes. I'm not no. anticipating that BYU, BYU will have to freaked, add as
1: many pieces. BYU freaked out with, in terms of, hey, urgency of, we need to up our standard. BYU cut some guys that we thought were going to play going into the season because they didn't feel like they were good enough for Power 5, Big 12 football. Remember, Jay Hill and Kalani were at Utah and part of that transition. They saw what it took for Utah to get up to speed. They've been trying to do that right with BYU. And BYU is a game off of expectation against a tough schedule. Was it disappointing and underwhelming a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. But they weren't super far off kind of year one hopes. It's a couple of plays. It's a couple of players. It's maybe a coach or two here or there that make a difference. And then next year, hey, go to a bowl game, keep building, keep moving forward, and now you're starting to attract even better talent. And obviously, NIL, you got to pay some of the stars a certain amount if you want to get them. Sure. And that's part of this deal. It's not – What it was before where you can say, hey, you know, like your primary stuff isn't, hey, it's BYU. Hey, we can do more. There's all those. They still exist. But if you don't match the money for some guys or get close to it, you're going to be out of the running for certain guys that you may have gotten in the past.
0: Here's the thing that I'll finish with. And again, why I lean toward coaches is you can bring in phenomenal talent. BYU brought it like BYU's offensive line was we thought was going to be great. Aaron Roderick. Literally said, we have upgraded at every single position except maybe quarterback where there's a wash. That's, that's a tough receipt to swallow, right? It is. If the coaching is not in place for said talent, then it, to me, what are you doing? Like you but, need, but we'll you rarely need...
1: be in that spot, though. We're not Texas A&M here.
0: But you still need coaches. I'm not saying BYU is going to have as much talent as Tex's name. But you, it, you can bring in all the talent you want. If you do not have the right coaches to make that talent a cohesive unit, you're in trouble. You need the right coaches regardless of how many three-stars, four-stars, and so, in some, some instances five-stars you bring in. Like If, you, five can't, star if you can't corral that type of talent and get it in the right place and figure out how to position each of those guys to succeed – that's why I lean towards coaching. Like, the, the players are, are good, but they can only do so much until the coaches put them in the right position to succeed. Yeah, it's, it's a funny dynamic. Can we just have both? Can, can BYU just get awesome? And,
1: <laughs> and you can't – BYU can't be like three-ish star guys and good coaches and do anything in the Big 12 other than make a bowl game. If is going to compete for a Big 12 title, you have, get, you have to get into the four-star game and good coaches. We you thought, have to start to get in. We that thought
0: place. that they were leaning more. toward that position going into year one of the Big 12.
1: Like, yeah. Mm, more four-stars. Yeah, types. <sighs> Not enough. Yeah, tough, enough.
0: tough. Like, recruiting is the lifeblood of a program for sure, whether it's out of high school or it's in the transfer portal.
1: It is in the sure. church. Missionary work, like, our, same thing. Our yeah. question of the
0: day. What do you think? What's going to make BYU football better, faster? Money. The, the transfer portal or the new incoming coaching hires. Jason Holder on X says, the right coach can make a three-star play like a five-star. So I would say the coach.
1: Yeah. yeah it kind
0: of goes to what yeah. I was just no, talking
1: no, about. That helps for sure. Development. elevating. But get you a four-star that's further along. That's what I'm saying. That like, helps. Like more of those. You still need to get the three-star. There will be fewer opportunities for the Tyler Algier stories at BYU, though. Because they just don't have time. You're in the Big 12. You have to be urgent about it. So that's tough because the Tyler Algiers story is one of the best in BYU history. you got to win now. There's not time to develop. These coaches aren't like, hey, give us time. You're going to get fired if you don't do your job well in a single season or two.
0: On to topic two we go. Football up, basketball in.
1: How has men's basketball 7-0 start altered your expectations for the year?
0: Well, I fully expect BYU to be an NCAA tournament team now. I, so that has – my expectations going into the season were it would be great if BYU could figure out a way to win 17 games, heck, have a winning record, be 16-15 and 15 in the regular season, maybe maybe go to Kansas City and win a game in the Big 12 Conference. Like, my expectation was hopefully BYU would be somewhere in the NIT and they'd, they'd win enough games to to be involved in the new format of the NIT. I now expect BYU to be an NCAA tournament team. At worst, I think they're going to go 12-1 and in non-conference play. And I think this team is fully capable of winning at least at least seven Big 12 conference games. They can go seven and eleven, like West Virginia did last year. And by the way, I need to correct myself. I had a kind Iowa State fan reach out to me and say, "Spencer, I was watching your program today, and I'm like, wow. One, why are you watching our program? That's awesome. That's cool. Fantastic. Okay, welcome Iowa State fans." He said. You said Iowa State went seven and eleven. We went nine and nine last year. Nine and nine. It was West. It was West Virginia, West Virginia who went seven and eleven, but still got a single digit seed. They were a nine seed. Iowa was nine and nine. Iowa State rather was nine and nine. Yeah, don't don't mix those two. I expect BYU to win at least seven Big Twelve conference games. Couple that with at least a twelve and one. Jerem, they're nineteen and twelve going into the tournament in Kansas City and have a shot to win a 20th game and probably be like a 7 or an 8 seed. Uh, that's kind of where my expectations lie.
1: I have no opinion that is different from anything you said. Two <laughs> twofer Tuesday question of the day <laughs> is this. How was BYU basketball? A 7-0 start altered your expectations for this season, okay? In the control room, they're like, whoa, we're moving on. Daniel Rigby on X. Literally, I think the same exact thing. This is one of those days where I hate where we have <laughs> a Some guys have really taken a step forward, notably Robinson and Waterman. I think this is a tournament team, but the conference schedule is rough. No more cupcakes come January. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that and listen, <laughs> it's what BYU is doing in non-conference is awesome, and they have to do it to have a chance, right? Sure. But now we're feeling like, oh, in league it's not going to be as bad as we thought. Like, initially we were thinking yeah. – hey, man, like, you're hoping to beat UCF twice. You're hoping to beat Cincy at home. You're hoping to steal a couple more.
0: Maybe beat Oklahoma State four, at
1: home. Four or five wins. Like does it, now we're like, okay, can you get seven plus? Because if you get seven plus, you are in the NCAA tourney range. Who knows? On the high end of this, BYU could be, like, fifth or sixth in the league. That was my follow-up question. Yeah. It's, it's, What's
0: the realistic ceiling for BYU once they get into the Big 12?
1: I don't know how to rationalize both of those in the same sense. The realistic ceiling is like a 4 or 5 seed. That'd be like You, B- you, you that win B- 10 games. Like,
0: like you're 10 and 8 in conference.
1: Yeah. You're 10 and 8 in league, and you were, you know, 5th or 6th, <sighs> and this league is so good uh, that, you, that that's okay, and you get like a double buy and maybe you lose that, or you win that in, in Kansas yeah. City or whatever. But, like, you have so many quad one wins. Because if you win 10 in the Big 12, and San Diego State's going to be a quad one, we think. Like, you, you've got plenty for a four sure. or a five seed. But, like, you, to be a top seven seed where you are clearly a favorite in that first-round game and expected to win that first one would be awesome. If you're in an 8-9, that's, that's a pick em. Frankly, a 5-12 is a pick-em uh, when it comes to actual percentages, but a 5 is expected to beat a 12 in, out of Vegas. Sure. That Especially would be awesome. Especially in a conference tournament. Again, I'll, I'll keep saying this. I got to wait till halfway through conference play where I really can say, okay. I know exactly what this BYU team is. Mm. It's one thing to play NC State and Arizona State. Uh, San Diego State is a Big 12 equivalent. It is another to get into Big 12 play and play that amount of, like football did, brutal games, back to back to back to back to like 18 in yeah. a row. Yeah.
0: See, NC State kind of feels like uh, a team like Oklahoma State or a Cincinnati that BYU is certainly going to see in the Big
1: 12. One of what we think is one of the more winnable games. But things change. See Oklahoma State football at the beginning of the year. Like, <sighs> things can change. Things can change with BYU. Like, it's going very well right now, and it's awesome, and I love every second of it.
0: You don't have to look far to know what type of model it would take for BYU to be a six seed like they were the last time they got into the NCAA tournament. And that is, again, to do what Iowa State did. You go 9-9 nine and nine in Big 12 play coupled with – a 12-1 non-conference Nine record?
1: wins in that league is awesome. Say hello to a six I'll, seed. I'll take eight and ten. I'll right? take seven that, that, that
0: could be a seven seed or an eight seed for crying out loud.
1: I'm not picky about the seed at the moment. i got to see BYU play halfway through Big 12. But do you expect really BYU know.
0: to be an NCAA tournament team at this point?
1: Yes. Your opinion. Yes. yes. Was NIT. Now it's NCAA.
0: Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram to join that CBI. conversation.
1: No. Yes.
0: Daniel Rigby on X, say, t's, listen, notably Robinson and Waterman. I read that one. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, there were two in there, one it's now gone. Okay, never mind. We'll get oh, the more responses there's, later, later there's in the, the show. Is that what you guys Look
1: at <laughs> Hey, men's basketball taking on Evansville tonight. Evansville 7-1, 92 in net. Pre-game on BYU TV and BYU Radio, 8 Eastern time, baby. Up
0: next, BYU men's basketball assistant coach Cody Finger. Joins us to discuss how in the world Three's. BYU is doing what they're doing in this seven and zero start.
1: Too soon with Boos. BYU Sports Nation. Too soon. I know. Got it. now. Hall hit the gas. We're hungry
0: to get better, and we're hungry to be pros about this, and we're hungry to like become a really, really good team. Welcome back. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, alongside Jerem Jordan. Earlier today, Jerem had an opportunity to speak with the assistant basketball coach Cody Figger and a Green Bay Packers fan, no less. Jerem,
1: yeah, I, I didn't bring it up, but he did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, he did. All part of a loaded conversation on game day. Jerem Jordan, one-on-one with Cody Figger.
1: I don't know what you expected, Cody, when net came out. Probably high, given Ken Palm and AP Poll and whatnot. But number two in the country? Were
2: even you guys surprised
1: by high, how high you are right now?
2: Um, you know, we're just with how we've been playing, I thought we'd be in the top five for sure. Um, but we were pretty, pretty pumped to see us at number two. And obviously, we know it's early in the season. Um, but we're, we're happy with how we're playing right now.
1: There's a lot of kind of that rhetoric, right? Like, hey, it's early, it's early you got to enjoy the hike up to the spot and the view, right? But the hike needs to be enjoyable. Otherwise, why hike? Um, this journey so far has been incredible. Take me back to last year when this team ends the season, you're fifth in the WCC, you don't accomplish a lot of the goals you wanted, but you knew that you had a group that maybe could do something. What kind of work did it take to get a very similar group to this point right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, just think about all the, the, the games last year, you know, Um, we had some good ones, right, beating Creighton. Uh, We had three close games with St. Mary's, two close games with Gonzaga. Like you could feel this team last year kept on getting better throughout the season, you know, and no matter what was going on, what was being said in the public, this or that, guys were coming to show up show up and working every day and just working their tail off and and just getting closer and closer Dallin and Jackson and you know Spencer and Foose and like I could go down the line Noah Waterman all these guys just kept on getting closer and closer um and then Trevin on the side you know he was kind of sitting out all last year but he had a great the voice shot doctor thing. Yeah, yeah he had a great voice and he just wanted to be a part um last year and then as soon as the season ended we just started with work workouts right away and the guys just got closer and closer and then we went to Europe I uh, had an unbelievable trip over there um, played four really good games over there um, and and just we I can go down the line of all the things that just helped this team get closer and closer but those are some of the main ones
1: I guess the only loss you've actually had was in Europe you played a really good pro team what in in Croatia <coughs> in, in, I think. Zadar, yeah. in Zadar yeah that's the only team that's been <laughs> since
2: March yeah.
1: um, which is crazy and, it, and it's wild to think, and everyone talks about it, hey, you want to get old and stay old. And the rhetoric around BYU is, eh, they're old. Well, legitimately, you have the first and third oldest players in college basketball. What advantage actually is that? Like, what's tactile about that kind of age and experience with this group?
2: Well, the age and experience, is, it's everything, right? Last year, we were, what, 297th in the country last year, and this year we're, I mean, we're, but we're in the thanks top. Thanks to Ken Palm, we can look yeah, this yeah, up. Yeah, thanks to Ken Palm, I should, <laughs> I should know that. But, um, yeah, we're, I think we're in the top 80 this year um and and the many minutes continuity mm-hmm. that's huge um but just you're able to see everything right you you grow from experience at the end of the day right like even look at Jordan Love with the Packers right now
1: of course right? you bring up the Packers <laughs> but, mentioned them, we but finally, yes we finally won great win against Chiefs
2: yeah no it just takes time and, yep. and takes experience and these guys were freshmen and sophomores last year right they're freshmen sophomores now they're sophomores and juniors and they're still growing together uh, playing together and really enjoying each other's company and and playing for each other it it, it, how connected these guys are it's it's awesome
1: it's fun basketball to watch and when you uh you know gain another year you don't automatically get better though why did this team get so much better collectively other Um, than just getting older
2: uh, other than just getting all their all our, all our individual workouts and the time they spent together, like that, that's it. They're they're trusting each other more and more, and you know that like trust is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you know last year's group, Noah, Rudy, those guys didn't come in until the end of September and start working out into October. This this group right now has been working for a year and you know three months now, and uh, no, a little bit longer than that. Yeah, the year and three months, and and they're still. You know, just kind of building and being connected and, and the trust is just growing and, and understanding what we're looking for offensively and defensively. That's, that's a huge thing, you know. A lot of these guys come in as junior college transfers or transfers from other Division One programs in high school, and it, it, just, it just takes time and, and, you know, learning the systems and what we're looking for and, and how to be a successful player, right? That takes time. I'm told
1: 21st in minutes continuity. So that's, pretty, that's pretty good, right? Thank, Thank you, Ken Palm. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Colton Potter, our producer. All right, cool. Okay, this group, uh, 7-0, and you talked about the uh, connection. There are a ton of stats that are really high for BYU right now. Yeah. I'm not just talking like team metrics. I'm talking like numbers of the way you're rebounding, where you're shooting, the amount of threes you're getting up, and, and the relative points you know, uh, from threes and whatnot, all this stuff, block, percentage. What's one of your favorite stats that really kind of tells the story of this team right now?
2: Um, my favorite one, personally, is assist opportunities. Um, and year one, we are about, you know, with T.J. Hawes, Jake, Yoli, those guys, Zach Sellius, Dalton, Barcelo, we were number, uh, we were about 35, I want to say, assist opportunities a game.
1: And that's top 10% of college
2: basketball. Yeah, awesome. and assist opportunities is we count assists. Um, but it's also you make the extra pass and maybe the guy misses the shot or you get in the paint, you make the right play, the guy misses the shot. We still count that as an assist opportunity. And so right now I think we're averaging about 45 assist opportunities a game. And so we know we're making aggressive plays for our teammates and we're playing for each other. Like that's just that's huge for us. That's a stupid number. That's
1: ridiculous. (laughs) That's ridiculously (laughs) high. And it's really fun. Sean Farnham kind of encapsulated how well this team shoots by saying, I think it was NC State, In their shoot-around, they put a green jersey on all the shooters, and there were constantly four out there. Foos would like to think that there's five. Uh, He has three for four the last two years (laughs) from three. Speaking of Foos, out for a bit, yet it feels like this team hasn't dropped off at all. Ali Khalifa didn't practice for a while. He jumps in. He's been spectacular. Atiki Ali, Atiki's out there doing his thing. Super efficient. His per 40 numbers are really high. What has it taken in spite of no Dawson Baker to start the season? No Ali Khalifa. Now no Foos for a little bit. To maintain the standard of what this team hopes to continue to do,
2: I think it's just at the end of the day, the standard is we're all playing together at all times, right? Like like we talked about being connected, and um, you know, Foos is such a huge presence um, offensively, right? Scoring on the block and just screening and rolling, that uh, we're just going to do it as a collective group, right? I think we're average. We have six guys over ten points a game right now, and the seventh is at nine. Yep. Um, so we're just going to do it collectively. That's, that's what we're doing. We're picking up for each other. One guy's goes down, the next guy's got to step up and we're all playing together, right? We got to, we got to tweak a couple of things offensively. Maybe we'll throw Spencer Johnson in the post a little bit more, uh, Ali at different times. Um, but now our half court offense is just a little bit different and a little bit smoother with different passing and things like that. Um, so it's just just a collective group, man. Every everyone's stepping up. We've had how many different score leading scores in every game? I think we're at six. That's um,
1: silly. Typically, that's two or three at this point.
2: Yeah, especially you just know these main guys after seven games, yep. and it's just awesome. Everybody's stepping up. Jackson just had his career high Dallin, back to back. Yeah, Dallin Nixon or Dallin Dallin uh, Hall just had his career high against um, you know San Diego State and. You know, guys are just making plays for each other. It's, it's incredible to watch.
1: Let's talk about Spencer Johnson, the instapot. He is one of 14 players averaging 12, 5, and 5. It's taken a sec to sort of tweak his role a little bit with a couple more shooters, Trevin and whatnot. Um, he's not shooting the three like he was last year, but it, it doesn't matter because his assists are up to five a game. Like, what are, what are we doing here? He is awesome. He has a behind-the-back assist uh, against Fresno State. What has it taken for him to kind of tweak that role a little bit and be even more efficient overall?
2: Yeah, I mean, Spencer's... Uh, goal the whole time to be the most efficient player right I remember three years ago him coming in our our coaching staff's offices and watching different film on how to be efficient and every year he's just gotten more and more efficient Um, and his passing like you said is off the charts and Spencer he knows what this game's all about he doesn't want another year like he just wants to win and that's the best part about him and he's so dang efficient um, he's a pass-first guy. Like he, he was a point guard in high school, mm. so he's a pass-first guy, and obviously he can score also on the block and coming off ball screens and this and that, but he's just one of those guys that just tries to uh, help the team no matter what it is. And and at the end of the day, he's an incredible defender too, right? He, he changed the game against, um, I forget what, the first game of our year. Um, I want to say... Maybe Houston Christian where he just got two stops in a row in layups, and I mean, he's an incredible defender, incredible teammate, incredible leader.
1: American Fork guy. Tonight features some more American Fork guys. Got Trey Stewart, of course, and his high school teammate Tanner Cuff, who plays for Evansville. They won the 2019 state title. Um, Evansville's interesting, 7-1 and uh, number 92 in the net, and a kind of a sure. sneaky <clears throat> trap-ish game given that Utah is Saturday. So what's the focus been like for this group to try and get to 8-0 and tonight?
2: Yeah, the whole focus um, by our staff and our players has just been focused on one game at a time and just getting better with what we do well, right? Um, you know, Evansville's an incredible team. Um, the coach is a great dude. He does a great job with those guys. Former Utah it's, State it's, assistant. Yeah, yeah. former yep. Utah State assistant. David um, he, Yeah, David Regland. He's in his second year. Um, you know, they, they play a bunch of different kind of changing defenses with, uh, you know, they'll switch, switch a ton of off-ball stuff. Um, you know, offensively they've got they've got a four man who can really score the ball, coming from an NAIA school. He's playing at a really high level, averaging about 18 a game. We'll have some NBA scouts here tonight to watch hmm. him. How many? Uh, I don't know exactly, but I know we'll have some. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they got a really good team, played really well together. He's got those guys really connected right now. I mean, they were one of the worst teams in the country last year, and they're taking
1: five wins, seven wins already.
2: Yeah, and yep. taking a huge huge step this year. Um, so it, it's been, uh, you know, it will be an exciting game, but we're focusing on ourselves, what we do well, our transition offense, uh, keeping the turnovers down, um, going to the offensive glass, every single possession wedging, right. We're doing an incredible job doing that. Um, our ball screen defense, our transitioning defense and, and, you know, guarding our yards. Those are, those are the important six things that we're always worried about.
1: Okay. Again, million percent focused on Evansville. So we found out that Bill Walton's going to be on the call on the Pac-12 Network Saturday. What's the funnest or weirdest story you have about Bill Walton at a shoot-around <laughs> over the years?
2: Um, I, I'll tell you my favorite thing was uh, the last time we had Bill Walton was in Maui, and I would say we were playing UCLA in the Maui Invitational 2019, um, and it was just such a fun game, right? That was Coach Cronin's, I think, first year, and we played so well. And I don't have a great story about, you know, I just remember him asking a ton of questions and things like that. But my favorite thing was listening to the call after the game. You know, um, I think it was like three or four days later because we had, you know, Kansas and, and Virginia Tech after that. But I just wanted to hear him talk about our team and, and everything. And he's talking, yeah, talking about Yeah, talking about Jake Toulson, <laughs> T.J. Hawes, yep. and, you know, him getting mad at the NCAA for Yoli Childs not playing. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I just—I mean, he's a legend, and it's, it's fun to listen to him, and here's what he's got to say.
1: There are those who are not as big of a fan. I'm a huge fan personally, and my best Bill Walton story is that he put an entire paragraph of information to Kyle Chilton, the sports information yeah. director, a couple years ago in the subject line. It wasn't in the body of the email, just all in the subject line. And Kyle's like, what is that? <laughs> it's Bill Walton emailing you. It, it happens. Well, thanks for coming in. Best of luck tonight. And uh, good luck against the Purple Aces of Evansville.
2: Appreciate you. Thanks.
0: Cody Feger on BYU Sports Nation. BYU trying to get to 8-0 against a team that's top 100 in net.
1: They're, I stand corrected. They're 90 in net now, not 92. So, uh, wow. Let's go. Okay. Uh, it's a double header of hoops, though, on ESPN Plus today. Women's basketball, Rose Bouba and the Cougars taking on Utah State. They're not going to play the Scotsman during the game. I guarantee that. Nope. Five Eastern on Big 12 Now, ESPN Plus, and BYU Reds.
0: Good opportunity to get back that winning mojo. Wham. Up next, where is Puka Nakua in you know the what? Cougars in the NFL Power Rankings? See top four player? Top three? Woo. This is BYU Sports' at number two. Wow. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
1: Yo, follow BYU Sports Station on social media if you'd like. Uh, Content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok.
0: Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. How about some headlines?
1: The Deseret News reports BYU football is, quote, zeroing in, end quote, on former BYU and Baylor offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes to fill one of the open positions on the offensive staff. And Soul J, don't call me, Bull J Mayava has entered the transfer portal. I saw him at the movie theater the other day with one of his kids. It's good. Uh, Marking the fourth player to announce he is entering the portal.
0: Zach Wilson is back in the news again. Multiple New York Jets beat writers reported that the Jets want to make a switch at QB and are indeed leaning towards Zach Wilson again. But these reports say Wilson is reluctant to step back in. Jets head coach Robert Sala told the media yesterday he isn't ready to name a quarterback and shot down the notion that Wilson doesn't want to play, saying, quote, if he was reluctant to play, he wouldn't be here, end quote. Amen. In other Cougars in the NFL news, Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua is dealing with an AC joint sprain, according oh. to Rams head coach Sean McVay, but is expected to play through it because he's Puka. It's what he does. Nakua. what he did last year. Yes. Just 444 yards away from breaking the all-time rookie receiving record for a season held by one Jamar
1: Chase. Amazing. Men's basketball hosts Evansville tonight, 9 Eastern, on Big 12 Now, on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio, pregame on BYU TV, BYU Radio, 8 Eastern time. You can watch Spencer Linton do his third show of the day (laughs) there. BYU moved up five spots in yesterday's AP poll, to number 14 after a 7-0 start. BYU remains number two in the net, number eight in Kempom. And this just in, Joe Linardi has BYU as a... Four seed in racquetology. This is fun. A four seed. Love it. BYU
0: women's basketball. Just talked about it a few minutes ago. Host Utah State today at the Marriott Center. The Cougars coming off back-to-back road losses at Wyoming and at Utah. They'll host, again, the 3-4 and four Aggies as a huge favorite. BYU 40-4 all-time against Utah State. They've won five straight against the Aggies. Coverage begins at 5 Eastern. Big 12 now on ESPN Plus and live on BYU Radio.
1: The ABCA All-Region Awards are out. Four Cougars made the Southwest Region first team. Never thought about BYU in the Southwest, but here we are. Whitney Bauer, Kamila Hiapo, Aaron Livingston, and Whitney McEwen-Larinus. Those are three of the four seniors uh, without eligibility anymore. So. Good job, Cooks. Former Cougar players and coaches, Jason Watson at Arkansas, Rob Nielsen at Utah State, for the South and Pacific North Region Coaches of the Year. Have you thought about Utah State in the Pacific North? Well, how's VOA
0: in the Southwest, and Utah State is like an hour and a half away, and they're in the Pacific North. Because Big 12. (laughs) The United States Women's National Soccer Team plays China tonight in Frisco, Texas. We'll see if Ashley Hatch makes that game day roster and keep you updated. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
1: You're calling the game. What's the key for women's hoops to bounce back against Utah State after two losses last week? Get back to good
0: old-fashioned defense, and here's why. Utah State your is your expertise. The youngest team in the entire country in NCAA women's basketball, 12 new players. You ramp up defensive pressure. On your home floor like BYU can do today and which they have shown to do in the Marriott Center this season. Three-pointers start to fall a little bit more and the pressure really amounts on a young team that's got a lot of moving parts. So defensive pressure is where this team is founded under Amber Whiting.
1: BYU's fifth worst in the country in forcing turnovers, so hopefully they get better at that. But what BYU does really well is shoot the threes. That they shoot 43.5%, fourth in D1. Buckets. Yes.
0: Are you buying the reports that we just discussed surrounding Zach Wilson as reluctant to step back in as the Jets' starting quarterback?
1: The cake song maybe is reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Yeah. Yeah. Engines pacing and thumping in time. Yeah. The green light flashes. <laughs> the flags go up. Yearning and churning. They burn for the cup. They... No. Should I keep going? No. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I just love that song. Zach Wilson, I could I could understand if he actually was. Because it's like, well, what favors have you guys done me here? (laughs) All you've done is not protect me, crapped on me when I didn't do it, blamed me in the media. So if I was Zach, part of me thinks no. But you don't want to be seen as a guy that doesn't want to help his team out or do what he's asked when he's asked it. So this is a difficult situation to be in. If I was Zach, like real Zach, I would be like, heck no. I don't want to play for this team the rest of the year. Get me out of here. But you don't want to be that kind of teammate, and I don't think that Zach is. I think that he'll, if they ask him, step back in. But it's a weird spot to be in because they have done him no favors.
0: What is reluctance to? Like, are we judging this based on, like, an immediate reaction? Maybe initially when he heard he was like, eh, I don't know. But then he could have changed his mind two minutes later. Yeah, good point. But everybody's throwing in like, oh, yeah, I can't believe you were like, Yes. I would love to go out and play after you benched me again, play with this, crap and you deactivated yeah. me on the roster again.
1: Yeah, come You've on, you hum- humiliated me. Why? Why do I owe you? You
0: have made him this. the scapegoat. Bang him. And listen, whether it's deserved or not, the franchise has gone all in on using Zach as the scapegoat for the failures of the team. Like that has happened. They they doubled down on that when they deactivated him and made him the third-string quarterback.
1: And it's been worse,
0: actually, without him. So if he says, eh, at first, like, let's not judge him on an immediate reaction. Because I look at the guy that came out 20 minutes before Sunday's game and was throwing his route tree and doing all the things, and according to multiple reporters, he's going through the full measure of his practice, and like he's still participating and doing his thing. So I choose to believe that Zach, while if he might have been initially reluctant, he's a good teammate. And he likes the players and he likes his teammates. So, no, I'm not really buying this Connor Hughes garbage that continues to perpetuate, led by him from the New York Jets media.
1: When my wife asked me to do the dishes, I probably have the same level of reluctance. But I end up doing it happily, you know? In you the still end. do. at it. first, I might have given, uh, you know, a look. At...
0: <laughs> it's, that's a great point. Like, are Actually, we all I like. The like dishes yes, it. I would love to clean the toilets what? and clean the yeah. house right now. <laughs> I would love to throw that's, out this very intriguing football game and go and do that. That's
1: the one that gets me! It's the toilet, not the dishes. You're Come right. On. Okay, Puka Nakua needs 89 yards per game over the next five games to break the NFL rookie receiving record. My question isn't whether he's gonna do that. My question is where is Puka Nakua in your cougars in the NFL power rankings? Woo! Whatever criteria you want. We didn't say best player, yeah. most power uh, rankings. Interesting or popular, whatever you think.
0: So I'm going to lean on body of work a little bit here. Fred Warner is number one. Yeah, agreed. Taysom Hill, because of his unique nature and what he has accomplished, like he's had his jersey, along with Puka, displayed at least for a few weeks in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this week because they've done some unbelievable things. But Taysom, because of his unique, uniqueness and ability to be the Swiss Army Knife, he's still at number two. Puka is at number three, but he is right on Taysom's
1: tail. There's an argument for Puka, too, given the kind of year he's had, right? And the Saints have struggled, and they've not used Taysom, you know, as much as maybe When they do, they typically win. Yeah, it's crazy. The other day they had a rare, like, loss when they gave him seven or more carries or whatever, but uh, no, Puka's uh, splash in the NFL has been unbelievable, man. It's been so fun. We knew that he was pretty stinking good, but this kind of rookie year is pretty spectacular. So hopefully he can fight through the AC joint uh, reported injury, which is a tough one. And if
0: he sets the rookie record... Then his case for being number two behind Fred Warner is almost solidified.
1: At what point does he pass Austin Collie and best receiver in the NFL from BYU? Because I, I, I he just needs more time, right? I think he, he needs, needs to, to get into like time? maybe another season like this, and then playing a Super Bowl. It? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: Wild. Yesterday we wore the same sweatshirt. I remember that black BYU Beat Digger hoodie. Awesome. Uh, and uh, put out a poll to see who wore it better. The final results are in, Jerem. And congratulations with a 50%. won something on this percent oh, 49.3% oh, wow. portion of the vote. <laughs> you I was, win.
1: I wore it best by 1.4%. Did did the I'll voters get it, it right, Jerem? In my biased opinion, no. Because <laughs> I voted for you. <laughs> BOA basketball with Mark Mark Popus. Thursday night, 8.30 <laughs> Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN Plus. Again, Thursday night a little different. Uh you know and, and this is because the Big 12 plays on Saturdays and Tuesdays coming up in conference play. But uh, check it out Thursday night. Riding the
0: wave of another memorable start to the season for BYU men's basketball, we'll take a look back at the five best starts in the history of this program. Oh,
1: look at this. This is BYU Sports Nation. Some of your high school footage there, Spence. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
0: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. It's... I didn't know
1: we were doing jean day. You gotta tell me next time. I, apparently we need to communicate way more about our wardrobe. Fun fact, like denim jeans I have not worn since pre-COVID. Not a single time. Not once? I have uh, yeah. I'm like Nike Tech sweat fleece guy. You got me into that. <laughs> not once. Again. But let me know and I'll match. We need to collaborate yeah. on wardrobe now. Alright. Do we after yesterday?
0: Top five Tuesday. <laughs> Presents based on what BYU men's basketball is doing this year, the best starts in program history from men's hoops.
1: Let's go, baby. Let's go back to 1965-66 for the number five selection here. Oh, look at this footage. Some of this is Spencer at Northridge I High love School. It. I was a pure shooter. <laughs> but it was like this in the 60s. Uh, started the season 10-1. and one. Dick Namelka, Steve Kramer, Jeff Congdon These guys were awesome. Beat Arizona, Arizona State, the WAC. Beat Houston, future Big 12 homie. Climbed as high as number six, they ended the season 20 and 5, second in the WAC. Won the NIT, which at the time was considered equal to or better than the NCAA tournament. And so, 1966 that, that's what's up. Triple threat stance, Jerem. <laughs> dribble, pass, shoot. Ain't no passing
0: going on. <laughs> <laughs> number four, how about uh, you know, Danny Ainge's 1980 81 season? I would for have to say, higher. higher. The season started 15-2, including wins over Washington, Illinois, Michigan State, St. Mary's, Utah State twice, and our friends at San Diego State. BOA climbed to high as number Tony 15. Tony Quinn, by the way. for number 15 in the AP poll. was already higher than that this year. Ended the season 25-7, third place in the WAC, earned a sixth seed, advanced to the only Elite Eight in pro- program history. Yep. Danny Ainge was the wooden player of the year. Triple threat stance.
1: <laughs> I love it. A, you're not, you ain't passing, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 2009-10. Started the season 20-1. This is Jim Rafferty Jr. This is Tyler House. Freshman year. Team was stacked. Those guys. Uh, JT. Noah Hartzok. Brandon Davies. Uh, Jackson Emery. Wins over Arizona, of course. 49 in uh, McKeon Pavilion. Arizona State. Nebraska. San Diego State. Utah State. Whew. Climbed to number 12 in the AP poll. 32 and six, second in the Mountain West. Turned a 7 seed. Won a game. Beat Florida, of course. And OT, this was a memorable year and just a taste of what the next year would be. But will that next year be number two? No.
0: It's 1987-1988. A magical beginning to the season for Cougar basketball led by Michael Smith, NBA veteran, and Jeff Chapman, Jim Yusevich, included wins over UCLA, Utah, Washington State, Utah State twice, and San Diego State BYU climbed to as high as number three in the AP poll.
1: And then lost to UAB that there night. There were 17. The, oh, oh Alabama Birmingham. Be they beat us in the Independence Bowl. Yeah. And in the 87.
0: BYU Gosh. ended the season 26 and 6, won the whack, earned a four seed in the NCAA tournament, and won one game in the bracket.
1: Didn't think we'd have a Jim Yusevich mention today. Yeah, there Yusevich. you go. Good point. And the greatest start in BYU men's uh, basketball history is, of course. Jim Fridette, 2010-11, 20-1. and Only loss was in Anaheim neutral site to UCLA. Beat Arizona, Creighton, South Florida, San Diego State, Utah, Utah State, St. Mary's got to his highest, three in the AP poll. Then the Brandon Davies news came out. Beat lost that night to New Mexico. They rebounded, though, did a nice job, and ended up in the Sweet 16. Jim Fridette, of course, won all the national players of the year. It was awesome. Including that San Diego State game. Joy climbs in the top 10. Jim Romania. Jim Romania really puts this season over the top because a lot of those other seasons were like very similar. Yeah. But Jim Romania was. For sure. And again, this
0: is starts to the season. This is not seasons over Because the
1: greatest year is 81, no doubt. For sure. No one is arguing that. For sure.
0: It's fun. We'll see what this BYU basketball team does this season to try and make an argument to get into. If they go 14
1: 0, including a Big 12 win in there. It's like, oh, you're knocking on that, the door of this list. Absolutely. Check out BYUSN.com for all the conversations we have, all the random discussions about jeans, deep blues, games, studio shows. BYUSN.com and the free BYU TV. App.
0: More of your responses on Two for Tuesday. Thank you for two questions that. of the day. This is BYU Sports Nation. Mm. Triple threat! BYU Sports Nation is presented by The BYU
1: Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download free BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Subscribe, and rate, and review the podcast as well.
0: A question of the day. The first on Two for Tuesday. What's going to make BYU football better, faster? The transfer portal or new coaching hires? R.J. Johnson says, quote, good coaching is important. However, good players are much more important. Give Nick Saban a team of two stars, and he would go 0-12. I totally disagree with that.
1: I bet they'd get a couple of wins. Uh, but
0: they, they a team of two they stars? Like no. They
1: 4 No, but, like, 12 What league 0 and are we talking about? The SEC? Like, what are we talking about? The ACC? Apparently no, it's easy just listen, to win all your games. Listen, Not I'm really. telling you, in a cookie. Just kidding, Florida State. In a cookie, the players are
0: the butter, the flour, the chocolate chips, all the stuff. The coaches are the sugar that make it taste delicious, Jerem. They make it taste... All the players make up all those parts. The coaches are the sugar in a cookie. Mm. It's not delicious without the coaches. Cookie. Yes. Cookies. Our other question of the day is this. How has BYU men's basketball 7-0 start altered your expectations for this season? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Jeff Stevenson on Facebook answers... This team is very gritty with lots of good shooters. Great improvement from last year. I now have hope they will be competitive in the Big 12 and make the tournament, maybe even win a game or two in the tournament.
1: That sums it up well. I like that.
0: Just get to the tournament right now. Our Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU
1: Athletics. College basketball metrics. They love Brigham (laughs) right now, man. This is fun.
0: Shout-out to the net rankings developers and Ken Pomeroy. Shout-out
1: to the inanimate computers and <laughs> formulas.
0: Our thanks to today's guest, Cody Fieger. Sorry, Dennis. For Jeremy, Spencer. Let's do another Jim Yusevich shout-out. See for a doubleheader of BYU basketball beginning at 5 Eastern. Triple PSPN threat! Plus. Triple threat! Triple threat!